Hello and welcome to episode 388 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm joined today by Wes Iliff. Hey, everybody. I skipped an extra intro line and just went right to talking to Wes because we're going to start exactly where we left off from last week. We were still talking about Rhapsody, a musical adventure, a 1998-2000 PS1 RPG that, uh, I, I, I don't know, as I was playing it, Wes, I was sort of... I was I was mostly having a good time. This is a, a cozy, mostly fun RPG, but also I was sort of go, thinking to myself, is that it, really? <laughs> because yeah. whenever there was like a, a plot point, it seemed to resolve so quickly and abruptly that I, I don't know, maybe I'm used to RPGs taking their sweet time a little bit more than this game does. Did you have a similar experience? Yeah, and it's also like, I feel like it's part and parcel with their fairy tale style for storytelling to some degree like this is just a series of fairy tales but as a result a lot of times it's really easy to predict how this is going to go one way or the other and they move pretty quickly just to kind of get you in and out and on to the next fairy tale a, a large part of the plot is finding uh five magical stones not a little bit like the not unlike the six multicolored orbs um from dragon quest but even then it's just sort of you're just in and out with the orbs. And I think what could be really cool, powerful, interesting vignettes just sort of are, I don't know, it's so fast and abrupt and weird that it sometimes it was almost shocking. And I think we will talk about some of the shocking moments. Yeah. Uh, but um, as we experience, like, 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 do you know, do you remember um we're, we're going to bounce around a little bit, probably talking about all five of the stone side quests, although I think we did mention the volcano last episode. Do you remember when you had to get the key to the mines and you find the guy with the key at the uh, restaurant where you fought uh, where you fought some cats earlier in the game? And mm. he, it, it looks like he ascends to heaven. Yeah. It's, it's like, like did, did we just get a key off of a ghost or did he leave, but they didn't want to animate him leaving? I, I don't, I just like, there's so many just head scratching moments that are, like weirdly dark or morbid if you look if you think about them too much it's also uh hilarious that every single enemy in the game when you, you defeat them does the same thing they just kind of fly up and disappear which for big climactic boss battles pretty funny looking and a little bit totally uh disjointed maybe yeah it's it, it's it's it, it would i mean it's kind of like you're playing a mario game and Bowser's death scene is is just a little a upside down pop like 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 hitting a Goomba. Yeah, exactly. It's it with the exact amount of the every enemy is handled with the exact same amount of drama, which is which is I don't know, just a little bit weird. They'll, they'll, even though this game does have stakes and a conflict, and is is and can be explained in one or two sentences easily. It, it feels like the stakes are very low. I, yeah. I, 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 I almost I, like you're dealing with death and tragedy all the time in this game, but I, I feel like I'm never really in danger because the game is so easy and everything resolves so quickly. But basically what I'm saying is, Wes, when, usually when I say a game has pace issues, it means things are being dragged out too long <laughs> and, yeah. it's, and it's taking too long to get to the fun part of the game. But this game's pacing issues are are bewildering <laughs> yeah. i mean the it's weird because the only parts that felt like they dragged on too long for me were just the dungeons and that's because they were so hard to navigate everything else just flies past and even then 
I think the dungeons feel longer than they actually took because it's still like a nine hour game. Yeah, the dungeons, I think, are basically medium length, but because they are so samey and so repetitive, they they feel longer than they actually are. And 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 I'm 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 pretty good at navigating dungeon map stuff. I mean, like like designing digital maps is literally part of my job. So I I I I have a good mental map for RPG dungeons. I thought these dungeons were too long and but mostly too samey. The fact that every dungeon in the game was either identical cave corridors or identical tower slash temple corridors was I I I don't know very disappointing, borderline offensive to me. Including the final dungeon, it just has a unique palette swap for the uh, for the decoration, but it's still the temple all through and through. Yeah, it's still the temple tiles, but with a but with you know a a unique color. And I think there's one or two segments on sort of um like like outdoor bridges and balconies. Yeah, one on but, either side of the the castle. But it it was, I mean. It, it it was the opposite of an exciting epic final dungeon. I I did not do the nether the netherworld dungeon, which is the optional segment of the game. Um, I think you fight a you fight some kind of a super boss at the end. I, I think it's a super version of the final boss. And there's uh the side quest for one set of puppets is down there, the uh um the the, the knight puppets um, which are uh, uh Chiba, Albatross, and Duke. Like there's their side quest is down there, but. Um and but I mean that that's also an, an identical palette palette swap dungeon. It I, I only looked at it uh, on, on YouTube for a few minutes. If it, like part of the fun of RPGs is the feeling of growing stronger along with your characters and doing exciting navigation or exploration or combat, and I think Rhapsody's biggest weakness is that it um even though it's unique in tone and has cool RPG ideas, the actual execution of, 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 of like what makes an RPG mechanically an RPG just isn't interesting here. I felt, I felt like it was a generation or two behind in design for being a PS1 game. Like this thing would have been more at home on an older console. It would have been easier to forgive some of the, the map design choices and, and some of the lighter touch on some of the side stories. Yes. Although, you know what? I'm, I'm almost of two minds about that. I think parts of Rhapsody absolutely are um, fit in with a good PS1 RPG. That's like, true. Like, 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 the, the musical stuff would have been very challenging on 16-bit hardware. And, and things like having the puppet recruiting and uh, puppet side quests and monster recruiting, like all of that, all, all of those systems, I, I think, do feel PS1 to me because there, there, there wasn't a lot of I mean, I mean, there were there weren't specific side quests for every recruitable throwaway uh, skill that you get in in old SNES RPGs. But but yeah. then, but but the the dungeons and the encounters could have been done on a, on the PlayStation One or possibly even an NES. If you, uh, but uh, I mean, short of things like the 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 animations and the and the audio. But but um, we've been a little bit negatively tinging. Um, this this early part of the discussion, Wes. What what were your final impressions when you rolled credits eventually? Um, like like what what positives do you take away from the experience? You know what? <laughs> Maybe the best example of how I came away from this was I instantly went onto the eShop and watched the trailers for the Marvel Kingdom games because I was so interested in how this this concept would progress. Because I really love 
a lot of the core ideas of this game. There are elements of it that are an absolute blast. And at nine hours, it's hard to get too frustrated with any of its negative points because you're you're breezing through it. I was I was charmed by a lot of it. A couple of the songs actually were like kind of worked for me, even though the the setup of the songs didn't feel like an epic proper Broadway musical like I was kind of hoping for. Um, there were some standout songs and that spoke to me in a big way. Big musical fan. That that's the reason I was excited to try this game. Um, and the the doll designs are pretty on point. Honestly, um, I found a lot of doll the the dolls that you recruit that I absolutely loved and wanted to play around with. Um, so I was constantly flopping my party around until like Flair popped up and he became permanent because he's a cute baby dragon with a shell on his butt. Yeah, I, I um. I think I maybe alluded to this in the previous episode, but uh, after leveling a couple monsters, like maybe five or six, up to around thirty, I settled on uh, on Flare, uh, Charte, and Night Spawn for my team for the entire rest of the game. It was it was just those were my three, and I uh, I, I was I I mean I didn't have a single encounter that I couldn't resolve by blasting with spells. Yeah, I I actually decided to keep a physical person with me and kept Duke instead of Night Spawn. But otherwise, my party was much the same as yours, and Flair and Charte took care of all of the, <laughs> the random encounters through the end of the game. Yeah, and and uh, we mentioned this in this episode, in the previous episode. Uh, this game is is so not challenging. I really did think for a while, like, is this intended for small children or first time RPG players? And it would work pretty well for that. Um, I, you know, as much as I would wish for a mini map the whole time inside those dungeons. Um, if you're a first timer and looking for something, this could kind of work. Yeah, yeah, you know, Wes, I feel basically the same as you. Like when I uh, uh, finished the game, I'm like, well, that was a little underwhelming, but it, it mm. did. It, it's it's unique in tone and has good uh, character designs and monster designs and puppet designs. I mean, puppets are sort of in between characters and monsters, as far as I interpret them. Yeah. Um. But I, I think I mentioned this uh, last week also. I am more interested in trying those other games. Yeah. It's, it's a good start when it makes you want to play the rest, even if you didn't, like, adore this one, which I liked this one. I didn't really adore it, but I was charmed by it. Yeah, this is not sniffing any of my, like, my top 10 PS1 games even <laughs> remotely. Yeah. But um, sort of partway through playing it, I wishlisted the other Marvel Kingdom collection on my game sales tracker. And if I see it for like 60% off one day down the line, I probably will get it. Like, because it's, if, even if it's not a brilliant RPG, it's at least interesting and mostly good. And, uh, and I didn't feel like it wore out its welcome when I was uh, when I played the end of the game, like like if my I mean, in part of my discussion about the pacing of this game, I, I think it might have been benefited from being a little longer. That's not the worst complaint to have. It's like, well, well, I was kind of enjoying this. I wish it was a little bit longer. That's uh, a, a slightly um, I mean, that's either a backhanded compliment or a a a, a, a uh, like a a, um, a gentle admonishment. I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure. I. The one big thing that I was hoping for was just a few more musical numbers, especially at the end. I was hoping for a big send off instead of just kind of a credits song. Yeah, um, and you, you know, you know, the credits song wasn't bad. I mean, it's no, a it, it wasn't. It, it, it's a it's a credits J pop song, and you and I have probably heard thirty of those bare minimum <laughs> each. 
but uh but my issue with the musical numbers was like i wish i i wouldn't have minded if there was more of them but i wish they were a little better i think maybe they're maybe they're better in japanese but mm. i mean it, i mean as, as someone who does occasionally listen to broadway musical soundtracks it's like it's like those are better than what rhapsody gave us yes like like i mean i mean i grew up with disney animated uh films which are basically musicals and and then eventually started listening to Broadway musicals. Those those have better music than this, which is to say, which is, I mean, I, I think a legitimate comment. But also, these are some of the most talented and skilled composers and musicians in the world working on those things. So, yes. ten ten pesado, you're not as good as like Elton John and Alan Menken. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think anyone's holding that standard, so I think it's fine. <laughs> but let's talk about the actual gameplay part of the game. Um, where we left off, we were in the middle of the Find the Stones side quest, which I think is, I, I would call Act 2, Wes, I guess. Because, because yeah. act, act 3 is so brisk, I am not. I don't even want to call this game an Act 3. It's like, Act 1 is meeting the prince and marginally kidnapping the prince, and Act 2 is finding the stones and saving the prince. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we mentioned the uh, volcano thing. I want to revisit that a little bit again. Uh, Wes, I, I, I was only speculating about it last week, but I truly think you killed um, Flair's parents and, uh, and, and you, and by turning Flair into a puppet, you did, you, uh, he is basically undead. I, I truly believe that now. Cause it's if you possible for you to kill a lot of guardians, a lot of like good creatures in this game. <laughs> if you level up Flair to 30 and go and go back to the volcano um, you'll see some monsters, uh, sort of harassing the uh, area, the 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 nest where you found Flair, and you defeat the monsters. Then Flair sees the ghosts of his parents, and then seems to ascend with them. So, like, like that's Flair's side quest. Every doll in this game, every puppet in this game, has a dedicated side quest. Some of sometimes it's just like one line of dialogue, and um, but but it looks like the the spirit of the puppet ascends. And then, but you get to keep the puppet as an ally. It's just, it's just, they don't, uh, they probably don't have the power of speech anymore. Um, but yeah, like, I, I really do think that there's a weird dark underbelly of this game where, uh, puppet masters are tethering souls to inanimate objects and, uh, in order, in order so the puppeteer can help them um achieve their their goal or their dream or um or their regret and allowing them to ascend i i, th I really think that's what puppeteers are in the world of moral yeah. kingdom and it, it really feels like something that has to be intentional but that they didn't really want to focus on they wanted to leave it for you to kind of figure that out to a degree because they don't belabor it they don't you know in a lot of games they would talk about pretty explicitly how you're you're freeing these lost souls or what have you. In Rhapsody, it's just kind of a matter, of course, of playing the game and doing the side quests. Yeah, and in um, I don't know if you've played Phantom Brave, but that, that's a, a a strategy RPG that Nipponichi released several years later in the mm -hmm. oh shoot, it was after Disgaea, so like probably oh four or five range. Um, but in that game, you're a I think she's even called a necromancer. I'd have to look it up. Uh, let's see, Phantom Brave. Uh yeah, Marona is the main is the main character of that game. And um and she uh I'm trying to remember what her job was. But but ba basically um 
she can see ghosts and manipulate ghosts, and she can take spirits and put them into everyday objects so they manifest as a monster or an ally. So, I don't know, you, you put a ghost into a rock and then they'll turn into a little, uh, I don't know, a, a little rock spirit and have high defense because you picked a rock instead of a plant, things like that. But, um, so, so like, this feels kind of like what Morona was doing in Phantom Brave, but uh, in Phantom Brave, it is clearly communicated that Morona is uh is doing something unnatural she, she's shunned by her local community for basically being a necromancer of sorts even though she is a wholesome cute little girl so like i i think that maybe uh like, like rhapsody is is like an early draft of their ideas for phantom brave but they 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 really really sugarcoat the assisting spirits in the in their afterlife part of the game <laughs> but uh I, I mentioned what you do if you take flare back to the volcano and I think the cutoff point is level thirty, because um, that I did the thing with um with with Charte and her sister, mm. uh, and it was and it happened right at the stroke of her sister getting to level thirty. Uh, but basically that's just a line of dialogue. They just say thank you for helping us and uh, and can caring for us, and then they ascend, and that's it. Yeah, I felt like within the the pl plot of the game, like maybe Cornette doesn't even fully understand. Like she never seems to fully understand. The powers of her horn and and what exactly she's doing so i wonder if there's a little bit of that to it where you're not necessarily getting all of that because she doesn't necessarily get all that she knows that she's somehow helping and that's good enough for her yeah and the thing is i i, I don't think what she's doing is horrible for the mostly because a lot of the time mm. it, it, i mean she uh from an early age with kururu giving her the horn or no, I guess her mom giving her the horn and then Karuru uh, instructing her a little bit. And we'll talk about Karuru more later, I promise. Yes. Um, I, I think from a very early age, when she, was, when she didn't understand what was happening at all, she did believe she was helping the puppets. And even as a young adult, she still is helping puppets. Like, like what she's doing with Sharte, Sharte was abandoned and wants to find her sister. So Cornette's like, Cornette's like oh, sure, of course I'll help you find your sister. And she does help her find her sister. So a, a lot of the times these puppets do want to be helped and guided by Coronet, mm -hmm. but sometimes it feels like she's like, like, like with maybe with flair and with the, uh, the three night puppets that, uh, that hate her grandfather for unclear reasons. Um, that might be against their will. It, it's, 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 it's different. Like, uh, um, and, uh, again, I didn't do a lot of these side quests. I, I know that one, um, the three egg brothers, their side quest is like, there's a sick child and you have to find something in the ancient dungeon to uh, help the sick child. Uh, but, but those are, but those are basically just three possibly children or possibly just naive brothers that want to be a hero that want to be heroes. Yeah. So you, by helping them play act being heroes for one dungeon that, that that's what uh, accomplishes their dreams. It's, it, it's still weird. And maybe it's because this game has everything fading upwards as a symbol of departure or death. It, 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 it really does like give a, a strange dark over to um, undertone to this game. And uh, I know the darkest undertone of all might be what happens in the, on, on frog Island. Yeah. Speaking of dark, let's actually talk about those side quests. I mean, we, we, we did the volcano um, I think we talked a little bit about Snow White last time, but it's the uh, the town of Hunters that has a relationship with the Nine Tails Tower, where mm -hmm. they're allowed to hunt the foxes of the Nine Tails, but in a limited and respectful manner 
to for their for their own well being and economy, and and th- and that's you know how a how a predator prey relationship should be in in the natural world. But then you get to upset the natural world by trying to take the thunderstone of the nine tails, possibly wiping them out. Uh, did did you um uh did you take the thunderstone or did you decline to get to fight the nine tails when you got up there? I declined. I couldn't do it. I couldn't either, mostly because. I felt like they had to give me a way to continue the game. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> By choosing to do the kind thing, they yeah. wouldn't penalize you in this fairy tale. Exactly. So, like, like given the option, I, w- I wanted to do the kind thing, and I figured I, I wouldn't be penalized. And if I, they did penalize me, it's like, whatever, I have a save file from <laughs> five minutes earlier, because that's, that that's how long it takes to do anything in this game. Um, and, but they give you a holy stone instead, which is a, a fair enough substitute for a thunderstone. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess there is a holy element thing in this game besides Charte. Um, and and uh, but and then again, the highlight of the whole Nine Tails quest is probably the Mountain Man song you get at the beginning of the hotel, <laughs> where where, where Cornette is like so, sort of interrupting, going like, "Is is this is is this normal? Does he sing this every time? <laughs> like every time? Yes. <laughs> oh boy. But anyway, um. The volcano and the Nine Tails Tower are just two of the of the five sort of um, main side quests of part two. Um, the next one I want to talk about is Oasis. And okay, Wes, <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this one. Yeah, um, not surprised. Um, first of all, because there is a fully functional underground rail in in uh, in the mines by Oasis, do we think that this is a dystopian post-apocalypse future <laughs> where they there's a train and they the they seem to understand it in the world as an ancient relic that part i missed i, I don't like well why are there trains in one part of the game yeah. that are basically abandoned and unused and nowhere else nowhere else in the game is there any technology like it signs of industrialization random trains and Etoile's guns. That's about it. Right. That's right. There, there are more firearms than I was remembering, but it doesn't matter because the uh, train tunnels have been taken over by some kind of giant sandworm. Question mark. Which you're you're just kind of tasked to uh, to just accept. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, the thing is, tasked to just accept is the entire vibe of everyone inside the sandworm. Yeah, because uh, that we, part's kind of bleak. Yeah, uh, rolling running it back a little bit. Um. Uh, Etoile is also looking for the magic stones like you are. You go to the town of Oasis. They mention, oh, Etoile went into the mine and locked it behind her because the earth stone is supposed to be there. No, no, I'm sorry. The wind stone is supposed to be there. The earth stone is Frog Island. Um, so you find a guy who has the key. He appears to possibly pass away. You unlock the mine, go into the dungeon, and let's say five or six rooms in, you are eaten by the sandworm just like everyone else is. And so the sandworm seems to have eaten multiple train cars where a community of folks have been quietly living and, and they have just accepted their fate as well to an alarming degree. Like there's, there are people that are just like, well, I mean, we're in the sandworm now and there's nothing you can do. So we've all given up on ourselves. And, the, and there's even a couple that said, we just ha- um, had our child here. It's the first child born in the sandworm. I guess that means we can be a community here forever and give up, give up on leaving, question mark? It's... Yeah, a lot of those people are just okay. This is our life now. I wonder if, like, the interior of the of the worm is like secreting some kind of, I don't know, some kind of neuroinhibitor or something yeah. that, that 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 just lets people give up on life very easily. 
Because because e- even a twelve, who is maybe the most full of life character in this entire game, she's also been uh, uh, eaten by the sandworm. She seems on the verge of giving up, even though she can't have been in there for longer than a few days. Yeah. Uh, but then, but it then there's a mu- quick. Yeah, but there's a musical number where Cornette encourages a a twelve to keep to keep on living, and then they they plot to. Uh, to kill the sandworm and exit and and exit its body. I need and, to sidetrack this for a second, real quick, just because please. the reason one of my favorite details of the game is the fact that the reason Etoile is seeking out the stones um, isn't because she has any romantic feelings for the prince. Isn't even because she necessarily wants to save the prince. She just likes to win, and that, that's like her whole reasoning. That's like, right, and she. I, I think she's furious that Cornette dare tie her in yes. the. Uh, in in the in in the Miss Marl Kingdom contest or whatever that was in part one, even though she did not want the prize in any way, shape, or form. No, she she's a bored rich girl who I think likes Cornette but refuses to lose in anything. Yes, and um, and Cornette is more wholesome and good hearted than A Twelve. A Twelve's not bad. She just uh, she just has had has has not had a great upbringing and only cares about winning and being the best. Which really is, struggles to show feelings other than that. <laughs> right. And, and uh, there was a scene right at the end of Act One, uh, maybe we mentioned this, uh, where the, the prince and Cornette are having a moment, and Kuru and Etoile are hiding behind, I don't know, plants or statues or something, spying on them, going like, oh, this is so good. Maybe they're going to kiss <laughs> in a way that, that, that that's, in a way that's like the same energy as someone watching like a, like, like, like a romantic telenovela or something. So like like um a twelve is treating the whole save the prince thing as sidebar entertainment and not as something that she wants. This is one of many reasons why I love a twelve so much. She was a high point of the game for me. Yeah, like like uh, I, I, maybe in, in other comedy games or uh, anime or something. Like if someone's really into reading shojo manga, like like that that's the kind of uh, vibe I get from a twelve. Like like someone Very that much just. So. That just wants to see romantic situations play out around them, and necessarily doesn't necessarily want it for themselves. But yeah, yeah, Etoile is—I wouldn't say she's relatable, but she's very entertaining, and her motives are very, very clear from the beginning, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, she's very straightforward and doesn't try to mask any of her lesser attributes, which makes her fifteen seconds or so of being depressed really a little bit jarring in this scene. Absolutely. That's not something you'd think she'd ever show based on what you've known about her before. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, I, I'm putting this in big air quotes. This leads to one of the most challenging parts of the game where you have to uh, <laughs> go into the sandworm and and uh, Etoile and her party and you and your party have to kill the left and right hearts of the sandworm at exactly the right moment, which means you have to deal the finishing blow on uh, Cornette's heart on exactly the sixth turn. And I, for a while, I wasn't sure if she meant, like, the sixth turn that you take. So would it have to be, like, A12 and each of her three puppets get one turn, and then the second puppet on the next round goes? Or if it was Cornette's sixth turn exactly? It, it turns out it was that second one. So so I, I made a mistake and then yeah, killed and, and then and then, uh, and then took care of it the second time. Um, but, yeah, and then there's a, a, a boss fight where I think you get a twelve helping you, so it's even easier than usual. Yeah. Uh, after that, you just kind of blast on through. But that is the closest thing the game has to challenge. Is I had to count out turns. 
Yeah, counting out turns with vague instructions is the uh, is is the the ch- challenge of that part of the game. Exactly. And I think we we mentioned this before. This game is harder to it's harder to figure out where you're supposed to go next than actually accomplish things like finish dungeons or boss fights. Yeah. I I don't know. I've somehow gotten myself into a cycle where like I'm playing three different games at the same time and all of them are the exact same go find the quest flag chases, which I think I kept switching up to try to find something that wasn't that to play alongside when I got frustrated and I just kept going for old games. <laughs> I'm I'm also playing three games at the same time. Or well, I, sh- I should say I was around the time I was playing Rhapsody. But the mm. other two I'm playing are so wildly different that it's, that it's actually kind of hilarious. Because I'm, I'm also playing Bloodborne uh, for the podcast next month, which is, you know, a little bit different in tone from Rhapsody. Ever so and, slightly. And I'm also playing Super Mario Galaxy 2, which is very, very clear every time, like, it... it it, it's you, you got to find the stars and collect the stars, and it's very, it's pretty clear where the stars are in that game. <laughs> yeah, you know where you're going. Yeah, and, but in Rhapsody, it's it's slightly nonlinear, and it's not always easy to tell where you're going. Um, in fact, I think it's kind of weird to unlock Oasis because uh, uh, yeah. I, I th- you have to solve the mystery on the suspension bridge, um, and lower the bridges, and then exit north to unlock the way to Snow White, and then exit south to unlock the way to Oasis. But I think you have to do those things separately. So if you, yes. um, I, I, I think when I was just trying to figure out what to do, I did take a bunch of exits and, and explore everything as heavily as I could. But I, I, I saw when I was um, looking on a, I, I think on an old forum for this game on how to unlock a puppet side quest or something, there was like two uh, threads. Where's Oasis? How do I find Oasis? Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't expect to have to just exit two different times. I just exited, went back in, exited again, and there was everything. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. This game just has weird event flagging. That, yes. I, but but I guess that does fit in for a PS One RPG because there's a lot of weird event flagging. The, the uh, next bit of weird event flagging that I encountered was um for the pirate ship stuff in the Waterstone. Uh, oh boy, oh, yeah, I struggled with that. <laughs> Because you have to, you have to hear from in ta- from people in town and in the bar that the pirates have their ship docked at a secret cove at the end of a secret cave, and then the, and then and the cave is in town somewhere. So you find the cave, you get on the pirate ship, you have to like talk to, you have to talk to a number of people and read one diary mm-hmm. entry, and then and then go to the captain's room at the end. It, it, it and then oh, and then here's where it gets real weird you're magically transported to a pirate shipwreck where the captain's son uh had passed away and 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 you're there with the with the the the, the dead pirate's father and best friend who both who like both blame themselves for what happened it's real dark and weird the the pirate captain kind of wants to kill his son's best friend yeah that part's <laughs> a little dark and then somehow uh uh, I, I think Gao follows you in there, not because she's transported to the pirate ship, but because she's just a strong swimmer. Yeah, she just swam all the way. <laughs> she just swam a mile and then dove 200 meters to get to the pi- same pirate ship you did. Uh, and, and you find a, a boss fight against her. That's a big nothing burger because that's what boss fights are in this game. Yeah. But 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 again, it's it's like there's the ghost of a dead pirate dragging you to this shipwreck. You find the water stone, or, or I think you 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 basically... I don't think you find the Waterstone even. I, th- I think you just, uh, you, you let the, uh, the pirate's dad and best friend sort of forgive themselves and each other, and then the pirate's dad gives you the Waterstone. 
so some it's it's not always easy to tell what's going on but yeah but but this could have been a poignant moment of tragedy and healing but it just sort of, it just sort of happens a little fast uh and then you and uh yeah this game is west this game's pace and tone was were so confusing to me sometimes yeah i mean honestly i was so thankful for the ghost ship quest just because uh it wasn't the same tiles of a dungeon it was two floors of a of a pirate ship and yeah they recycled each one once but yeah it's the same pirate ship that the living pirates were on hidden in the town one of one of the people you talk to makes a comment how oh this is exactly the same as the old one and it's like yeah i i get the feeling i know why yeah then they they, they if you make it clear that it's a replica of the ship that sank but then in, it's that's reflected in gameplay very obviously as well yeah there there are a lot of things where they make kind of it seems like they make lore reasons why the low budget the the lower budget feel should make sense which is kind of charming in its own way uh you know looking back at things like that i'm, I'm actually a little charmed by it yeah, and the and the game is um, the, like they acknowledge that, and there is fourth wall breaking moments where they uh where where they acknowledge that uh, th- things are happening a little weird, but hey, we're in a video game, I guess. That again is a little bit charming, but didn't one hundred percent land for me. Like, I, no. I I think if this game had better writing and was a little bit longer, I would forgive the weirdness or maybe enjoy the weirdness a little bit more. Yeah, it had one of those like comedic for its era translations that doesn't always translate super well oh boy it's not comedic within its own world it's it's you know a half step away from making a bill clinton joke yeah 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 yeah. tell me that you've played working designs games without saying you've played a working designs game exactly this is not working designs this is um atlas's in-house studio from the late 90s um which and then you know it's a little bit unusual like like atlas did um uh localize a couple of the early Nipponichi games. I, I think this one and Askaya. Uh and but not um but not La Pucelle. I think La Pucelle was handed over to Mastiff, which is a UK studio. Um but uh the new version of La Pucelle uh was retranslated by uh Nipponichi uh I I'm I'm at least I'm pretty sure because they they also localized the PSP remake that was never given to um that was never um released worldwide. And and uh, Nipponichi's or Nisa, their own studio now, has been localizing every Disgaea game, um, s- other than the the first PS PS2 release. So, so this is Atlas, but um, this is the brief period where Atlas was doing Nipponichi's stuff, which is n- not an important detail. But you know that was important to me. Damn it, back in the back in <laughs> the, twenty years ago when I was eating up every game that they released. Yeah, uh, it was one of those you got to pre-order them because they're not going to be around for too long. Unlike in the digital age, where eh, it'll be there. Yeah, I uh, I had missed out on um on Makai Kingdom, uh, twenty years ago, and it became you know a little hard to find. But then uh, but then the the re release um got my back. I still haven't finished that re release of Makai Kingdom, but which isn't which is mostly a me problem. It's just because the 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 grinding got weird. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Nipponichi really did have a vibe in that time for ba- basically the basically the entire decade of the 2000s where they had these games that were fourth wall breaking and very and and a little subversive and extremely anime but whether yeah. it was like edgelordy anime like uh like like world eaters and makai kingdom or sort of saccharine anime like rhapsody or phantom brave 
or whatever the hell Disgaea's brand of, <laughs> of, of oddness is. They, they really did have a specific tone and vibe that they refined through the 2000s, and I still mostly enjoy. Like, I, I view Disgaea 1 and Disgaea 4 very, very highly, and I've been trying to sneak them onto the podcast for conservatively six years, maybe longer. <laughs> um, well, the main thing I remembered about Disgaea was the localization where they put that Tsunami Bomb song as the intro and and replaced it and that honestly like spoke to me as a teen playing it for the first time and I, you know i think my first exposure to rhapsody well, well no okay my first exposure to rhapsody was playing the very beginning of it on a rental more than 20 years ago but yeah. then a little bit after that when i played disgaea for the first time uh marjorie is an unlockable character in the game and oh. her and the stage where you where you defeat her to unlock her is called beauty castle uh huh. Uh, so I, I I knew of Marjorie and I and I think I was aware that she was from Rhapsody, but I didn't I didn't think too much into it. I I don't even think I got to, I to a point where I met Marjorie. I didn't I didn't get to the the ballroom when I rented Rhapsody a long time ago. Yeah, they take their time introducing those characters, comparatively. I think they mention Marjorie, but you don't really meet her until the end of Act One, or you know maybe midway through Act One. To, I yeah. I don't want to check a walkthrough, but. But but yeah, again, like Nippon Ichi's tone has always been a little bit of anarchic cuteness, uh, and and uh, and and winking at the audience. But but they hadn't really figured it out at this point. Is uh, is the point I want to make? Which makes me again slightly more curious to see if Rhapsody two or three are better. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I wish listed those right away because I desperately want to see how they evolved. And I, I don't know a ton about those games, but I know a little. Um, uh, Rhapsody 2 is, uh, it starts um, Cornet and, uh, and, um, uh, and, and Ferdinand's son. I'm sorry, sorry, daughter. Daughter. And, and yeah, and, and, she, and she meets a boy that is, you know, that is, uh, but, but is from another faction. So it's a, maybe a slight Romeo and Juliet vibe there instead of a princess res- rescuing the prince vibe. Um, and then the third game is sort of side stories and scenarios from the yeah. first two games, and in, in, to which point um, the DS release of Rhapsody has one or two scenes from Marl Kingdom Three in it. So uh, if you if you played this on DS, there would be there you would have seen some scenes involving or involving Kururu that we did not get here, um, but but are included in the Marl Kingdom Three collection. But in, but regardless, like in their roughly original forms. Um, Marvel Kingdom two and three were released as a uh, as a collection uh, not long ago, just a few months ago this year. So, but uh, like you, Wes, I wishlisted these when I was partway through playing the game, and there <laughs> will be a night where I'm where I'm a little bored or something and see it on sale and just go for it. But that that that, that has not happened yet. Mercifully, it's coming. <laughs> I think the day that we decided Rhapsody was going to be the next game, I checked. I. Uh, I, I checked the sale and this the collection was on sale for fifty percent off with like three hours remaining. I think I got it on that same sale right before we decided that we were gonna do Rhapsody. So I had played like an hour and I was like, I'm gonna hold on to this for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, um uh well, let's finish out the story first a little bit. We the the last um Magic Stone side quest we haven't talked about is Frog Island. And yeah, Frog Frog Island's a little bit weird to to unlock. I think you have to do a couple other stone side quests. I'm not sure how yeah. many. Maybe, maybe, maybe only. Maybe you only need the water stone, or maybe you need to do a bunch. I'm not sure. Um, and then you talk to a couple people in the tavern, 
in uh in Blue Cat. And then they'll mention that um the pirates can go to Frog Island now. And then you go back to the pirate ship and they'll and they'll uh sail you to Frog Island and then that unlocks that unlocks the Kiro Kiro town on the world map. And and Kiro is the uh Japanese automatopoeia for a frog croaking. So I mean that that's why it's Kiro Kiro Cola in the uh in Super Mario RPG as well. So when you finally arrive in town, um the the frogs are being threatened by some evil fish that I think maybe Marjorie was involved in 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 uh, them arriving to the island. So you defeat the fish. You talk to the frog king. Um the the earth zone is in the temple uh guarded by a a, a centaur. Uh you like you're 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 gonna you're not sure about how you can get there, but then you encounter a love story between a a peasant frog named Michael and the frog princess named Caroline. And Wes, <laughs> the ballad of Michael and Caroline is maybe one of the most bat crap crazy things in this game. It really is. It's weirdly effective, I want to say, but. Oh, it's it, all over the place. It it is completely wild. Um, Caroline's betrothed to a government official that nobody likes. She's in love with Michael. Michael's in love with Caroline. He's a peasant frog that that sings at the banquet, uh, w- which is a musical number. Um, and then with the comedy beats of it being that uh, at the banquet to thank uh, Cornet for defeating the evil fish, um, all the food that they serve are bugs. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's ter- actually pretty solid. And she's ter- and she's terrified of bugs. It's like okay, this is this is pretty funny. I'm, I'm I dig this. But then you see uh, uh, Michael try to see Caroline one last time, um, and then the, the king sentences him to death for trespassing, which seems like an overreaction. It's a big... But then Michael, but then he says, All right, but then Caroline begs, begs her father not to kill him, and he says, okay, Michael, if you bring us the earth stone, then, uh, then, then I'll forgive this offense. And with the implication being that any frog that's trying to that's that's tried to obtain the Earth Stone has passed away and been killed by the centaur, so Michael despairs a little bit. But then he accompanies you because you're looking for the Earth Stone too. Why not? Um, you that unlocks Gamma Temple. Uh, there's a there's a puppet hidden in Gamma Temple. I think I think it's I think it's Albatross the Fire Bazooka Knight. <laughs> um, you 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 t- you take care of that business. Uh, you fight the centaur, which amusingly is not a human horse hybrid, but a frog horse hybrid, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> that was that was actually like good design right there. That that was that was setting something up and paying it off in a way that was actually uh, quite good. So um, yeah, uh, you defeat the frog centaur, uh, bring back the earth stone, and the king is so mad that Michael was successful that he kill he executes Michael anyway. Yeah, on on the auspices of like the crime of oh the centaur was our guardian and you killed him and oh you still trespass that's still a crime. I I could not believe it when when it, when it happened like even yeah. even for that fairy tale scenario to be subverted and ended in tragedy that's not what was surprising. What was surprising to me was that it happened in about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it was just instant. I was expecting like a little bit more drama to play it out, but it's like no, you're getting executed and dead, dead, just gone. And uh, after you take care of this, um, if you go to the Ice Temple, I think you maybe have to talk to some frogs in town and then go to the Ice Temple, which is just a sort of a, a dungeon in the, middle of the, in the middle of the game. You can find Caroline and, uh, and, and, my, and Michael's graves because, because Caroline, it, it's, it's implied that she died or took her own life um, a, a, after Michael's passing, and they both join you as puppets. 
they're, they're both is dark. Yeah, it's so dark. <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? And I think they're basically your best water spells because you don't you, you have like you have like one or two puppets that can cast water spells before, but 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 Michael and and Caroline are sort of your water spell casters. But uh, it's a totally missable part of the game because I mean, why do you why do you want to go back to the ice temple at this point of the game at all? Yeah, I certainly missed that completely. I didn't even know that was a thing. That adds another layer of depressing on top of that nice little cake they'd built. I, I didn't really use them because I think they, they join at like <clears throat> a pretty low level, like yeah, like everyone like, does, <clears throat> like eight or something. Um, and I already had uh, uh puppets with levels in the thirties, so I, I didn't really train them. But it, it was kind of insane that it actually happened. But uh, here's the point where you get to um against another Dragon Quest three moment where you can assemble the stones to uh, travel to the castle in the sky where Marjorie lives. Setting fight up a neat little designed dragon for each one. That's right. Yeah, you have to you have to fight um five elemental dragons, which is a, a, a nice touch, even though they all still died in one round. Yes. And then you go to Beauty Castle and uh, do one last dungeon, which is, you know, medium length compared to the dungeons in this, in this game. I thought it was less confusing than some of the towers uh, early on because yeah, I um, made it through a little bit better. I got lost and went back to the entrance exactly once, but that's better than I've had with some of these. Yeah, I, I thought Ninetales Tower and Wisdom Tower were sort of confusing, and 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 Beauty Castle was basically navigable. But it'd be, but you know, it's it's white and green and sort of cute, and uh, you know, it communicates uh, Marjorie's obsession with aesthetics and hatred of her advanced age. Uh, then you get to go and. Uh, <clears throat> And, and and confront Marjorie and her three goons one last time. You defeat them, but then the evil vizier or minister or whatever that would that was giving you some grief in the castle in, in chapter one reveals that he has been in cahoots with Marjorie all along to try and take over Marl Kingdom, and he unleashes an ancient weapon from the before times, which I think might might have been related to this world being maybe a post apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely mecha. Yeah, so there's a surprise mecha final boss that de- that you defeat it, then it defeats Marjorie, then you defeat it again, and uh, and that ties into a a a, uh, a flashback that you experienced uh, that I forgot to I forgot to mention um, earlier in the game, where uh, you inhabit uh, the dream of a young cornet and discover um, how cornet's mother passed away. Uh, cornet's mother was a was some kind of tenshi or angel race. That had the power to manipulate puppets, possibly manipulate souls in the afterlife. And um, <clears throat> one day when Coronet and Etoile were exploring, uh, Coronet accidentally runs into the uh, the hidden super weapon underneath Castle uh, Marl Ca- underneath Marl Castle, and uh, Coronet's mother uh, passes away, saving Coronet from the mons- from the uh, super weapon, but then inhabits the spirit of Coronet's doll Kururu afterwards. So Kururu from the beginning has been Cornette's mother guiding her on her journey. Which was, you know, which makes sense. And I even think I joked about that being a possibility <laughs> last episode, not realizing that it was the actual truth. So, yeah, um, that that makes uh, Cornette and Kuru's relationship seem a little weirder, but also gives a, a somewhat of an explanation as to why Cornette has these powers. I mean, she's... Uh, she comes from the bloodline of some uh, non-human magical beings. And presumably the sequels do go a little bit deeper into that as well. I think that the Netherworld dungeon, at least you're promised that it'll go a little bit deeper into that, but I didn't do it, and I don't think you did it either. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do the Netherrealm dungeon, and um, uh, 
and and we know that Cornette names her daughter Kururu after her puppet slash mom. <laughs> uh, although I think her mom did have, a, I think her mom did have a different name um, in 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 life. Yes, she did. Uh, and and I think it's sort of funny that how um, you, they they have the Nether Realm as this like as this like otherworld hell, and uh, it, it's explored in the Marvel <laughs> Kingdom games a little bit. But then they made Disgaea, which is about the different Nether realms. <laughs> So to sort of flip things on on its head a little bit, because in, in in Disgaea, it's you're in the Nether Realm where violence is good and and duplicity is normal, and uh, and the final boss of Disgaea one is a is a group of angels. So it's a yeah, like, like it, it's almost like the Rhapsody or Marvel Kingdom games, including its spinoff Lapusel, are almost too sweet. So they they just deliberately got weird for Disgaea. <laughs> It, it which became a spinoff bigger than its original than its original parent series, kind of like oh I don't know, kind of like the Jeffersons, <laughs> or the, or the or the or the Simpsons might be even be better. Yeah, maybe the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, example. no one gives a damn about the Tracy Ullman show uh, after 1990, but then the Simpsons became the longest one of the longest running uh, scripted shows in history. Yeah, crazy. But anyway, um. I think that Rhapsody is a little bit better than the Tracy Ullman show. Uh, yeah. it, it's, yeah. uh, it, it is a fun game with fun moments and even, even silly things like when you're about to fight the super weapon, you can go to the statue of, uh, of Ferdinand and it'll heal you like a holy goddess statue. <laughs> I and, had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's you heal yourself before the final boss. And the, and the final boss is, it, it's, it's manageable and everything ends happily. And, uh, and Galazzo or, or Galonzo, whatever the evil minister's name is, He's uh, thrown in the dungeon, and uh, uh, Cornette's like, at first, she doesn't think she's worthy of the prince, but then Prince Ferdinand's like, hold on a minute, you saved me, and I've kind of liked you from the beginning. And then they live happily ever after, and uh, and they name their daughter Kururu, and we know that, that this Kururu is the main character of Rhapsody 2. It's it's very sweet. It, it didn't um It didn't really tug at my heartstrings that hard, just because of how ridiculous this game is. Yeah, it's but, a happy, uh, happy ending, but there wasn't a lot of dramatic tension throughout to, yeah, to make that feel like a relief. Yeah, because this game is so fast, and because it takes such wild swings, like the frog murder on in Kiro Kiro Island, and uh, and and maybe your baby dragon companion being undead, like it, 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 it feels so disjointed that um, I think that. A moment like that ending that should have been emotionally manipulative and getting me tearing up a little bit at the end, it really didn't because it was. It's really just like this. This game is fun and interesting and cute, but it's sort of in and out and and over real fast. And, and which is, you know, I, I don't think this game is disappointing because my expectations were not through the roof. Like I, I thought, I thought this was a sh- a short, cute RPG from 1998, and it was, but it's just so strange. In addition to being those things. That I'm, I'm not sure how to how to uh, how to feel about it, but I am interested in playing the other two now. Yeah, I think that's the most impressive thing it did for me is it made me real interested in the other two, um, because this this feels like the first draft in a lot of ways. Um, it's a pretty solid first draft, uh, but I feel like you know maybe if the dungeon design were a little bit more dynamic or the story beats had a little bit more room to breathe or there was a little bit less ambiguity in, in elements of the plot. I feel like it could really come into something. It, I don't think it's ever going to exit the realm of like charming and wholesome, 
but I think that it can really hit that better with just a little bit of evolution. Yeah, if they'd put as much effort into the plot construction as they did into animating uh, uh, Cornette's mother's breasts, God. Then, yeah, I thought and I thought that, and... I, I thought that Marjorie had some jiggle physics, and then I met Hot Mom. It's like, oh no, where's where where's this game? What is this game trying to teach us? <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, this game is it, it's not bad. It, it it does some things that are very interesting, but ultimately, I think it's sort of a curiosity of the era and not a like standout incredible game of this era. But I but I mean I if I were to recommend or not recommend this game, I would probably say yes just because it's so fast and breezy and at least amusing for most of its runtime. And like last month I tried to play Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter for the podcast, which is objectively a better game. Like that game that game is good and this game is less good. But I wasn't able to finish that one because it's so uh because it because it's challenging and um and and subversive and sometimes hostiles to the player. While this game is so easy and breezy, I, I it went down it went down incredibly easily. I I, <laughs> I think my my total runtime on the game was probably nine hours, but but my save before the final boss was like eight hours fifteen minutes. It, it was like I've done side quests in games for this podcast that took less time that took longer than this. Honestly, I. The more distance I get from it, the more I kind of love it because those little frustrations don't stand out so much as just the the things that it tried to do that not many RPGs try to do. You don't see a lot of RPGs trying to go musical. Um, you don't see a lot of them trying to work on both sincerity and fourth wall breaking. Um, that's kind of a Nippon Ichi trademark. I don't know. It's got a lot of cool, unique ideas. Yeah, I I don't think this is an excellent RPG, no. but it is a unique and interesting RPG, and that's probably more valuable than it being more technically sound or telling a better story. And I, I think the ultimate um, takeaway from this is both you and I wishlisted the sequel, which yeah. is which is not nothing. But uh, also not nothing is uh, the time that we spent together discussing this, Wes. Thank you so much for um, being the one RPG fan <laughs> staff interested enough in this game to podcast about it with me. And, oh, and, I was excited for this one, so <laughs> I'm glad to be here. This was one that I had I had been aware of for something like 20 years, maybe closer to 25 years, but it just sort of passed me by because I wasn't that interested, but always a little curious. And I finally got to satisfy that curiosity for this podcast. So thank you for that, Wes. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this journey that probably is took a, took you, this listening journey took you longer than 20% of the playtime for this entire game. But uh, one game that uh, will probably demand a little bit more of my attention is Bloodborne. I mentioned earlier <laughs> that I have been playing it for about, about a week or two now. Um, it, that is our game for November, the 20, oh shoot, 2015-ish um, PS4 RPG from Frofs, from, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Software, the company that gave us Demon Souls and Dark Souls and Armored Core and a lot of sort of brutalist RPGs and action games and we're finally playing a from software game for the podcast and it's not uh uh um 3d dot dot heroes or kingsfield it is bloodborne <laughs> thank goodness but uh so yeah that's coming in november also in november we started planning it out um we're doing one episode on our favorite side characters in rpgs that we think deserve a game of the, in their own right uh more to discuss there later and also an episode on fan translations 
basically in, in key fan translations from over the years that might have influenced uh, development or re-release of future games. Uh, but that's November. Um, we're still not done with October yet. We're doing a Halloween-themed episode that we have not recorded yet, but we have started to plan out, and that's going to be really fun. So um, next week, please look forward to a little bit of Retro Encounter Halloween. But listeners, if you want to contact us about Halloween or Bloodborne or Rhapsody of Musical Adventure or your favorite fan translation, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. RPGfan is also uh, found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, a bunch of places, and also the actual site rpgfan.com, where we have uh, reviews, features, podcasts, all manner of things for RPG fans to enjoy. Um, also to enjoy on rpgfan.com is the shop, rpgfan.com slash shop where you can, um, through Public, purchase RPG fan-themed apparel like shirts, baby onesies, phone cases, mugs, a lot of things to find at the RPG fan shop. But also in RPG fan are two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter every two weeks about what we're playing and what's going on on the site, and Rhythm Encounter every other two weeks about RPG music um, and rhythmness. Uh, you can review Retro Encounter and our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or however you listen to podcasts. Please give us all the feedback you're willing to give, especially if it's five stars out of five. But if you want to give us as people uh, five stars out of five feedback on social media, how do you find us? Uh, Wes, tell them. On Twitter, you can find me at Wes Iliff, And on Blue Sky, you can find me at Lone Weasel. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon most of the time. And on Blue Sky, uh, Solosi.bsky.social. I'm also on RPG Fans Discord as Monsoon Mike. So, hmm, Wes, I'm not sure if I want to start playing the game, uh, the next Marvel Kingdom game immediately, uh, go back to playing more Bloodborne, or seeing if I can uh, revive some beloved family pets as puppets. <laughs> man, that's man, that's a little bit too pet cemetery for my. It's, for, it for gets my a little bit creepy at that point. Yeah, is this secretly a Stephen King RPG? It might be. Oh no. Well, listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. Halloween starts early. Really.